for July 8th, 2013. It's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 262, listener feedback. Welcome to the Overthinking It podcast, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. From Los Angeles, I'm Matt Rather, here with the panel to talk about listener feedback, listener questions, your question. Because we only have one. No, we have more than one. Uh, That was an exaggeration on my part, and is the sort of reprehensible behavior that probably gets us us very few listener questions. Uh, We love the listener feedback episodes. They're just hard to schedule, and... uh, (laughs) That's not true either. God, I'm really not. <laughs> I'm not acquitting myself well. I'm really uh, not a, a good role model for children or a podcast audience. No, they're, they're, it's just hard to, to administer and sort of keep going. So we put out the call, and uh, though uh, though the questions that we got in the last hour are few, they are mighty. So we are uh, we're looking forward to answering them and to pad uh, pad the hour a little bit. Uh, panel. Your question this week is, um, what question would you like the overthinking it panel to answer? Uh, <laughs> is there anything that you'd like, uh, you'd like us to do? So uh, this is a special episode. We're recording it um, uh, on an, uh, a time that's not our normal podcast recording time. And it's a special episode because Pete Fenzel is f- not first in the alphabet. What? <laughs> Oh. So Pete, you can you can nurse your wounds and oh. <laughs> I'll nurse my wounds. I'll be nursing back here while you guys go nursing away. <laughs> For a second, I I thought this podcast was being scored by Hans Zimmer. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> uh, first in the alphabet, it's Matthew Belinky. Uh, hey guys. So here's the deal. As we all know, it's basically illegal to to make a big blockbuster movie now that is not a, a sequel or a reboot or in some way a a, a continuation of an existing property. Um, and, and this is why actually the movie that I'm most looking forward to this summer uh, was not Man of Steel, not uh, Iron Man three, but actually Pacific Rim. Because I, first of all, I think Guillermo del Toro is a fantastic director, uh, but also just like I'm rooting for any. And, and, and I realize the deep irony about, in what I'm about to say. I'm rooting for anything that, that could, could be a stand-in for originality. And that, you know, so it's like the idea of like giant robots fighting giant monsters seems like the sort of Simpsons idea of like what a blockbuster would be. You know, it's so, it, it, you know, it, it, it's so sort of, you know, it's, there was the episode of South Park where uh, Carbon was pretending to be a robot. Uh, the awesome of uh, 5,000, I believe. Uh, you could well actually mean in the credits of 5,000 is not the appropriate number to go after the awesome of. And he has to start throwing out movie ideas. And that sounds like a movie idea he'd throw out, which is like, there are giant monsters that come out of the ocean, so we build giant robots to fight them. Um, so anyway, my, my question, uh, a roundabout way of doing it, is that what uh, franchises have not yet been rebooted that are ripe for rebooting? So I guess do I then answer the question that I myself opposed? No, the, no, sir. The 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 panel will answer the question uh, later on in the podcast. 
Uh, wow, so, Denzel, you, so I get to go first on question 1A of our meta question questioning off on overthinking do we, it. Do we throw out all the questions first and then begin the it's, – it's, like it's like a Seder, a Passover Seder. You ask the four questions first and then you start answering them. Why is, this podcast, the why is this podcast different from all other podcasts? <laughs> oh, so many ways. <laughs> all right. I want to see a big budget action movie reboot. And we've asked this question of ourselves a number of times, so I'm going to make sure I answer it differently Wait, each are you, time. Are are you answer? Are you answering the question, or yeah, are you? Question- are, 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 we're going to answer it now, or do you want to stack all of our questions? I want to stack. I want to stack all of our questions with the listener questions, and then burn through them. Burn through them in a giant pile as okay. I as I burn through uh, dollar dollar bills. Okay, fine. I'll ask my oh. question. So here's my question, right, which is question number two from the Overthinkers question. As you know, Kanye West and Kim Kardashian have had a baby. (laughs) As we all know, because we were just talking about it before we started recording, we do not know this baby's name yet. So here's the scenario. In a dystopian future, which happens to be taking place roughly now, uh, you discover that Kanye West and Kim Kardashian's baby is a child of prophecy. And uh, through unlikely circumstances, you become the, the parent of this child. You have to ab- abscond with this child and hide this child. Perhaps uh, Kanye and Kim have to valiantly sacrifice themselves as the Empire's troops close in on the child's position. And you end up with Kanye West and Kim Kardashian's baby on the run from some sort of dystopian uh, you know, world government organization or vampire cabal or something. What do you name the baby uh, so that it is appropriately named for being a child of prophecy and for being whatever balance you see as being your child versus the child of Kanye West and uh, Kim Kardashian? Uh, and uh, I mean, I could also ask what's the prophecy, but you know what? The name will probably reflect to me. Like, what what are the reasons that you use to name the baby, and what name would you give the baby? Got it. Oh, good, good one. All right, uh, another another uh, special guest, special regular guest, not guest. It's her house too. It's Shayna Malovsky. Hello, Hi. thank you for that Polish pronunciation. Uh, it's very good. Uh, my people, well, the, I, uh, the Polish half of my family, the Dureskis, uh, you know, make me make me want to do it as well as you're our, one of us. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yes. Well, I'm half I'm half one of you and and half Kraut. So <laughs> bad combo. <laughs> um, I don't know how to follow that tour de force from Fenzel. Um, <laughs> But my question, and I will also ask it in a roundabout way, um, I said this once before on Overthinking It a long time ago when I wrote an article about um, my pet peeves when it comes to fan fiction, um, because that's really important uh, in life. Um, And anyway, in that article, I said that I I do not read fan fiction because it's terrible, except once a year, I have the urge to read all of the fan fiction for like a 48-hour period. I just get obsessed with it. Um, I'm currently in that period i found a really really good ruroni kenshin uh fanfic by the way if anyone wants the name i can find it for you really good anyway so my question is um what is the one fanfic that you would have written um if you had ever written fan fiction and it can be a crossover or not um and i just want to hear sort of the plot synopsis and uh maybe we could write it i'm, I'm not gonna write it but there you go. Question. Thank you. Uh, wow. Gosh, I'm gonna have to think about that one. Um, okay. And then me finally, I, I want to ask, uh, 
after five years of being an overthinker, after five years of uh, recording the podcast, do you enjoy most movies, television, books, comics, video games anymore? I mean, do, do, you, do you like culture <laughs> <laughs> anymore? It's like, we're just doing this for the money, Max. <laughs> Don't enjoy watching these things. Uh, okay, so uh, well, let's let's launch in. We'll we'll get to ours in a second. I feel like we should do the listener questions first. Um, so uh, this one comes from uh, Danny San. No, this one comes. Danny San wrote a nice uh, nice comment on our our Twitter feed about episode two fifty eight. Thank you, sir. Uh, for your nice comment. But this comes from uh, J. Atlas Burke, J-A-T-L-A-S-B-U-R-K-E on Twitter. Uh, He says, I run my own podcast and the hardest part is the logistics. What goes into an episode of the podcast? How many hours? Well, I mean, I figure we can do this one first because it's the most navel-gazing of them. Uh, And so we can can sort of dispense with the navel-gazing. Though I, you know... Uh, though overthinking it was born out of the the impulse that you know we are fascinating that undergirds a lot of uh, media these days, I guess. Um, well, if the podcast takes an hour to record, an hour goes into it. Done. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So it, it what it takes about twenty minutes for us to get going most of the time, right yeah. before we get started. Then there's the actual podcast, which takes anywhere between an hour and an hour and a half to record most of the time, unless it's Star Trek: The Next Generation, in which case it's two hours. <laughs> um, and then there's an editing period afterwards, where one of you intrepid uh, editors uh, goes through the podcast and cleans it up, removes any wire spoilers and or obscenities, <laughs> right? And he swears uh, a lot. You guys have no idea how much Pete swears. Oh. I'm like a sailor uh, in season two of The Wire who is uh, with the longshoremen. Uh, Wait, they were Polish too. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> exactly. It all comes together. It all comes together. Never trust what? a – Shana, never trust a Sabatka. <laughs> How long does that process Speaking. take, Matt, of editing, of editing the podcast? Uh, well, it's it, – very often – it used to be editing. Now, now we don't do so much editing because we've gotten better at doing the roundtable discussions and also I think I've gotten lazier. So um, there isn't so much of actually rearranging like the order of words or, or cutting pieces out. If someone, says, uh, if someone says an R-rated word, I will go through and bleep that. Um, though it makes me very angry because I don't like to go through because you have to like listen, I, you know, uh, through. But then there's a, there's a lot of audio processing uh, that happens because we're in a lot of different locations with different microphones and Skype sometimes doesn't have the most reliable audio balance. And so there's a lot of compressing and, and limiting and, and sort of adjusting levels and stuff like that. And then sort of trying to sweeten it so that it, it, it sounds good. Um, and that you know that process takes you know it actually used to take the better part of an hour on my old on my old MacBook, but then I bought the uh, the awesome Retina MacBook Pro in December, and now it's done in like uh, it's done in like fifteen twenty minutes. Um, you know, then you you create an MP3 file from that, you wrap it in all the metadata like the name of the podcast and the episode title and the uh, the little description and the album art and stuff like that. That gets uploaded to the media host. Um, 
and then a post goes out on uh, on overthinking it that has a, a link to the audio, which gets interpreted by FeedBurner as a podcast enclosure, and that's what um, that's what feeds iTunes and the other uh, and the other um, po- uh, podcatchers down there. We record on Skype. We do a Skype conference call. We use the eCam call recorder uh, add-on program for Skype, and then convert it to AFF. Uh, we use Levelator, and then we use a custom recipe that I have um, uh, that I have developed in GarageBand, Apple's GarageBand, to uh, you know to to EQ and and tweak and and uh, uh, peak limit and and stuff like that. Um, is there anything else technical about it? No, I think I mean I think that's it. You know. Uh, yeah, if you want to start a podcast, what 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 advice would you give to someone who wants to start a podcast? Work with Matt. Exactly. <laughs> 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 I know. Well, less from a technical side. Less from a technical side. It's nice. You're you're very sweet, and you know, we, I I produce and Mark Mark produces on the the weeks that I'm not available, and and uh, you know, it's work, but it's a pleasure to do. But that but that like that is a is a commodity, right? Like there there are a lot of people who can produce good good sounding audio and yet not a lot of people who can make you know great quality entertainment if in fact that is what we do so uh i don't know what do you what what would you say to someone who's like you know hey i think me and my group of friends are fascinating i mean is it like start a marching band and then 10 years later you can have a podcast <laughs> i think you just gotta keep at it i mean like we've we've been ve- we have a streak going is that not the case yeah Right, and I, I think that that's some of the what it, because like clearly the first one didn't get listened to that much, but then if you if you keep at it and people can count on it every week, then they you know you, you need to develop habits in your listeners and and also as you as a content producer, you make it part of your schedule, and then you just always assume that it's going to happen, and you you make it, and then your listeners will assume that it's going to be up, and they come and listen to it. Whereas that if you start taking weeks off, then like you know it's easier to take more weeks off in the future. And then your listeners stop checking for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and iTunes, I think, at a certain point, even stops auto downloading, auto downloading the ones. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's an interesting thing. As like a serial content producer, it's it's important to honor your agreements, right? To honor your agreements with your with your audience. And if that agreement is, we're going to do one, we're going to do one every week. I I like. I'm terrified by our nearly five year streak because you know it'll get broken one day i mean by the end of the podcast if nothing else i mean it's it's not going to last last forever but uh, the core of our planet implodes yeah (laughs) but this is i mean we we record on sunday nights we've been doing it for five years on sunday nights um so it really has i mean uh, there's uh, there's really a rhythm and like just the just the habits and i don't know some of the best ones for me are the ones where we had no topic we had nothing we had nothing but the bare will to cast pods and uh you know and that's i don't know what comes through okay well fair enough i hope that was uh that was a uh an answer you know i can do a a special episode or a supplement or something i do kind of like that metaphor of casting pods because it seems like there's like there's like an ocean that's the internet and you're making these little pods and sort of throwing them out there and almost like you're fishing right and you're seeing like you know does anyone does anyone nibble at the pod that you can like an escape pod or like a pea pod i'm trying to get an image (laughs) 
<laughs> now I just I'm liking the idea that the podcast is like an escape pod for our miserable lives. <laughs> and and Jesus said to uh, to Peter and John, uh, "Put down your podcasts, for I will make you casters of pods." Uh, no little little Bible. Yeah, no, sure. I'm Jewish, so <laughs> I assume that was very funny. <laughs> Uh, all right. Um, next one uh, Hasbaz on Twitter, H A Z B A Z. In honor of Toby Ziegler in Man of Steel, who is your favorite? Oh, that guy in a movie. Hmm. I don't know. We can we can do uh, we can do roundtable. We can go. Uh, does anyone anyone have a yeah. good one? I don't know. I, honestly, Toby Ziegler in Man of Steel wasn't even my favorite one in Man of Steel. We talked about it on the Man of Steel. Uh, podcast uh and i think pete feels the same way when tom o'pennicott showed up for (laughs) half a second in man of steel it was like oh my god it's the fbi agent from dollhouse yeah i thought you were were gonna say uh maloney from uh svu yeah it's good to see him getting work it actually that you know nobody in the theater like applauded at any moment in man of steel until the credits and there was a smattering of respectful applause for christopher maloney's name at the end credits ah oh that's interesting where did you see it it's a new york crowd it was probably friends and family of christopher maloney (laughs) (laughs) um but you know i actually do have an answer for this the the thing that immediately popped into my mind when you said the question is in lincoln when a boyfriend from girls shows up as the telegraph operator (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) which is so because here's the thing like he's a good actor he's good on girls he's good in lincoln in sort of his small role but it's just his role in girls is so different than appearing in a, a costume historical drama because um, like a it's a comedy b it's it's contemporary and and c he uh he pees on lena dunham at one point so that's spoilers <laughs> yeah oh sorry sorry spoiler spoiler alert he pees on lena dunham um so yeah that I'd, I'd say that that's my favorite like oh guy boyfriend from girls is it i believe which is the title of a podcast and that's not even that's not yeah really that's not even the worst thing he does in girls that's true. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to go with. I mean, this is one that is sort of. At this point, we've been talking about it for so long that it doesn't really feel obs- obscure even a little bit. But I feel like I have to give credit to the classics. And for me, the classic that guy from that thing has got to be Keith David, who is the guy in the Rowdy Roddy Piper movie They Live, who is being cajoled by Rowdy Roddy Piper to put on the glasses in the famous fight scene. Uh, you can purchase the overview for They Live from Overthinking It for two dollars, uh, which and you can hear our commentary on this lovely John. Carpenter classic. Uh, we found from the sales figures for that overview that other people don't seem to like They Live as much as we do. <laughs> so, but they really uh, like Die Hard. They love Die Hard, but They Live not so much. But Keith David, this guy in this uh, in this eighties movie about kind of about current government policy, basically, which is about like constantly monitoring and thought controlling the populace, uh, is also the head space Muslim in uh, the Chronicles of Rinnick. Right, like, uh, of the, or at least not the head, but the most notable space Muslim from the planet of New Mecca, um, and it just gives me so much pleasure to think about the planet of space Muslims, like that it's a whole separate extension of Islam that has space elements, uh, and, that, uh, and that has like this one guy who shows up in these multiple action movies and was also in this other action movie like a long, long time ago. 
He also appears in video games like Halo 3, uh, Saints, Row, Saints Row 2, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Uh, he's been a lot of stuff about uh, as this sort of like very gruff voice. Mass Effect 3, he plays Admiral David Anderson. Uh, and he's in Cloud Atlas along with every freaking buddy else. That's true. So, Everybody. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was just thinking of uh, Keith David today because I was listening to uh, the Man of Steel podcast you guys did, and you at one point uh, began talking about David Keith, the actor. I forget, mm-hmm. I forget in what context. And for a second, I, I, I thought it was Keith David. Uh, David, uh, David Keith is, is, plays Ben Affleck's father in the movie Daredevil. Oh right, right, right. That that that's right. And I was like, we Keith David places what range? We... Thunder, isn't there a character named Keith who dates David? Am I crazy? Anyway, yeah. sorry. Yeah, one of the probably named after him, just like David Keith and Keith David, right? It all my personal goes. favorite, uh, my personal favorite Keith David uh, role is Modern uh, Warfare Two. He's like he's he plays a, the voice of a soldier, and he's like the one who does the tutorial. So he's like like it's like Keith David sort of gruff voice, being like you got to hold down the right trigger while you push the X button to throw a grenade. <laughs> That's not actually you throw a grenade, by the way. But I just I enjoyed. Keep David teaching me how to play video games. <laughs> um, my, With all these incidents, I can't help but think about that. Uh, did you know that Lincoln had a secretary named peeing on Lena Dunham? I like when, when you get to know an actor later in his or her career and uh, you go back and watch Star Trek The Next Generation and you see their guests or any, you know, any show with guest spots on it. And you see that they did a guest shot on that show um, earlier in their career when they were much less, you know, went much less well known and maybe like less sort of sure of their craft than they are later in their career. So they... Uh, uh, you know, I don't know. I like uh, I like a lot of these, and of course, I can't think of one. One doesn't come to mind, but I, you know, watching through Star Trek: The Next Generation or any old TV show, you will see, uh, especially great character actors. Um, the the uh, you know the doing doing guest spots. I like that a lot. Who was the girl in that episode where um, she fell in, lo- or maybe it was Wesley fell in love with her? It was someone famous, and I'm forgetting who it was. It was I'm gonna... uh, Ash- Ashley Judd. Uh, there you go. Yeah, oh, Judd, yeah, right, exactly. And I thought, uh, sorry, it just came to me what my favorite one of these uh, was from, um, uh, from Star Trek The Next Generation. The guy who plays Captain and later other things, David Aceveda on The Shield was a red shirt, was a, uh, like a security officer or something on Star Trek The Next Generation earlier in his career and was, uh, uh, was just phenomenal. And going, going back uh, and watching through, it was like, oh, my God, it's Captain Aceveda. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, uh, stars that uh, were, had small roles on TV before they became famous, did you know that uh, Man of Steel's uh, Amy Adams actually uh, was a one-shot of Villain of the Week on Smallville. Huh. No. Interesting. Yes. That she... I didn't realize this, but I read it in Trivia Online, that uh, her character um, is obsessed with, like, body image and wants to lose weight and then eats some vegetables that are, like, laced with kryptonite by mistake and then develops, like, insatiable cravings and tries to eat people. 
I read that Amy Adams tried to uh, get into, I think, two or three other Superman movies before she landed the role for Man of Steel. So I guess she's really into it. I was just thinking, she, did she sing the song Table for One when she was about to, like, eat Lana Lang? Or eat Kristen <laughs> Kroik? <laughs> Less these uh, things, I guess. A party of one, party of one, party for one, that's what it is, right? From yeah. the Muppets, anyway. That's so um, funny. I mean, Amy Amy Adams is, like, such a good actor that I, I think of her, like, springing fully formed from the head of Zeus for whatever reason. Like the idea that she had to work in television is just, like, uh, an insult to her. Well, well, she no. came out of the cartoon, like Disney parallel universe. So yeah. she did come from that one. <laughs> the guy who, like, kind of reminds it's not actually James, is it James Marsden? Oh, yes. He looks a little, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just me, but they, I get them, I used to get them confused with James Marsden was in, was in more movies. But that's becoming less and less of a problem. That uh, guy from that show? Did you answer that question? Me? Oh, no? who? Me? Shay? I know Matt answered it, right? And Matt, both oh, Matt's I, I answered it. I have not answered it. Um, yeah, I, I don't have any one particular person. I just like when it's a person whose name I like to say. So um, similarly, I guess, uh, related to the Star Trek, I like whenever I can see Rene Abogenois. So I can say, oh my God, it's Rene Abogenois. Um <laughs> Or um, I always forget his real name because every time I see him on screen, I just say, oh, my God, where's Wallace? There's Wallace. Um, <laughs> but I don't remember. Michael B. Jordan, is that it? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, <laughs> yeah. The uh, Okay. Uh, from Chris Morgan, uh, Chris X Morgan on Twitter. Uh, would Community be better off to dismiss the fourth season out of hand with Dan Harmon's return to the show, or uh, if Harmon builds on what happened in the in the fourth season when he comes back and takes the reins again for the fifth season? I, I don't know how you would do that, right? Like, well, spoiler, spoiler alert, after four years they graduate, or Jeff graduates anyway. Yeah. Well, Did I you mean, read like, the thing? Oh, sorry, Matt. No, I'm, just, I'm sure we can come up with many ways that the fourth season could, could be... Uh, could, could be retconned out of existence. Dream yeah, it's a temporal causality loop. You could just have it like hit a, or it could all be inside the snow globe of an autistic child. Or they have to like find an autistic child with a snow globe so that they can make it all have happened in his head. Well, was, like, was, there was that season of a Dallas right where they killed out Patrick Duffy, and then yeah. Patrick Duffy wanted to come back, and they literally just had a character wake up, and like Patrick Duffy's chilling out in the shower. And she, Wasn't yeah. there um, Roseanne season like that as well? The last one. Am I crazy? Where they won the lottery? Is that a dream? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Yep, that's it. And Bob Newhart, the Newhart show. When he woke up and it was all a dream. Yeah, that was the season finale. That wasn't like that wasn't like because they they didn't like the way that the the plot line of the season had gone. And oh, okay. <laughs> most interestingly, there's I believe the last season of Felicity did something where it was like you know she had to pick between two guys, and then in the second to last season she sort of picks one, and then in the last season they go back and they're like, but what? And they just sort of like redo the events of the previous season with a different relationship, which is you know it's it's that's at, the JJ Abrams that's the JJ right. Abrams influence there, which is like, the, right like at the time and people forget that he did Felicity and it was like that's like a weird thing for like you know you know a, 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 just a, a drama about college to do but then it's not a weird thing for a JJ Abrams show to do in retrospect was it right. I wonder I wonder if it was like very dark I wonder if he did a gritty reboot of his own television show. <laughs> the final season of Felicity. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Did she date a lens flare? <laughs> Which is interesting that, that the first Star Trek movie, in retrospect, is not the first time that J.J. Abrams has used, like, time travel to create... Although I don't believe that literally there's, like, a space-time anomaly that, that creates the last season of Felicity. But it is sort of this idea that, like, things are going to happen slightly differently now. Uh, all right. Also from Chris Morgan, maybe I can get a second question in. Do you think there's an original take on the Sherlock Holmes archetype left to be done? I mean, if it's a take on the Sherlock Holmes arch- archetype, there's a limit to its originality, right? It has to be Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> ask, I mean, has anyone ever done... I mean, obviously, there's a huge amount of Sherlock Holmes uh, fan fiction, which we'll, we'll get to We'll get to later, Shano, about the fan fiction. Oh, thank God. But, like, in a movie, has anyone done a gender-flipped Sherlock? Can't think like of a, one. They've like got to. Lady, lady Sherlock. And then, I mean, I guess it wouldn't be completely gender flipped because then there would be a lady. But for some reason, I'm thinking there could be like a, a male Watson. Like, Sherlock. Not, not, not that it would get together, but just that it would be more interesting. Sherlockiana? The, I mean, there's the Johnny, the, the Johnny Lee Miller one is uh, has a lady Watson, right? It's. Right. Uh, it's, um, you know, Ling from Ally McBeal, uh, right, as Joan Watson. Yeah. I'm uh, sure Shana would have interesting thoughts about, like, you know, because obviously the fact that Sherlock would be a woman would be sort of a crucial part of, like, how this character would be received by others in the world as being, like, an insufferable know-it-all of being, like, you know, this person who has all the answers and, and almost can't can't be deigned to explain themselves to like lesser humans would sort of like it would have a it it, it would it would sort of take on new contexts if you also like make her a, a woman. Absolutely, with, like, and I think also uh, like uh, a person of another race or just any minority person would show how uh, I don't know. Uh, frustrating the Sherlock Holmes character could be, but we give him a lot of uh, leeway because he's a, an attractive white guy. So, yeah, that would be very interesting to see. Yeah. And then also also maybe, like, you know, if you, you make him another race, you make him a woman, certain people would not want to t- would, would would take him even less seriously that like in the sherlock holmes stories he and and part of it is that like you know the first few times that you help the police solve a murder they you basically buy yourself some rope to play with but and, and you know if, if you create something where like sherlock is basically a character who like because of his social status or because of his race or you know and, and you could even set it at a time you could set it in victorian england but now it's a woman and so they you know she could never be a police officer she can't even really be an official private detective it would be one of these things but like but everybody kind of knows that like she's smarter than all the men but it's because of her social status she has to like solve these crimes on the down low um, and it could be, it could be sort of like you know, her 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 sex or her race could be this this sort of hurdle that she has to get past. She has all the answers. The question is like, can she convince anybody to listen to her? Well, that, I mean, they they made that show actually in England. It's Prime Suspect with with oh, yes, Helen Mirren, so right? Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, and it's great, and it's like uh, she's you know she's a a great character, and she's. Um, a uh, uh, good cop, and she can't get she can't get anywhere because the the entrenched sexism is so oppressive that uh, you know that it's just Im- impossible to advance. Is it a period piece? Well, if you consider the the nineteen nineties a period, 
<laughs> uh, there's a book from 2004 by the University of Alberta Press by C. Allen Bradley and William A. S. Sargent, which claims as a work of scholarly criticism that the character of Sherlock Holmes in the Arthur Conan Doyle stories was a woman dressed as a man. It's called Ms. Holmes of Baker Street, The Truth About Sherlock, and you can buy it for $37 from Amazon <laughs> uh, because university book pricing is absurd. So uh, fan fiction it actually is making a case that like arthur conan doyle intended it that way and that the clues are there if you choose to see them well yeah. i mean matt in in uh, in universities they call fan fiction literary studies <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly what is it they say they say uh yet the qualities that set holmes apart as a masterful sleuth are rather commonplace perhaps even universal in any woman <laughs> <laughs> That's necessarily. I feel like they're undercutting their whole sort of like feminist. Uh... <laughs> yeah, well, considering so. it's two dudes, I don't know. Although C. Allen Bradley could be a woman. That's possible. Uh, masquerading as a man. How long is this book? Is this like, you know, I want it to be 800 pages long. <laughs> Control F4 pages. 224 pages. This is the second edition, so they reprinted it at least once. It has five customer reviews and an average rating of three stars, <laughs> which is evenly distributed, which every reviewer gave it a different number <laughs> of stars. <laughs> oh, Carol J. Mullaney gave it one star, saying, surprised to discover this was not a serious book. <laughs> I was looking forward to reading this book, and now I'm very sorry I did. I was disappointed for the rampant sexism of the authors. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) It's offensive. (laughs) Oh, man. Why why would Sherlock Holmes being a woman be be sexist? I'm Uh, not like Sherlock Holmes. Is the book all like Sherlock Holmes stays home all the time, and like that? (laughs) That's what women do. It's like, oh no, it's terrible. I don't know. We if this book didn't cost thirty seven dollars, if it cost like a dollar and a half, then I would buy it. But no, no, no chance. But what's the? I mean, so what's the? Canadian dollars are they not? That's um. I I I quoted the price in U.S. dollars. Uh, that's too bad. So it's like a hundred Canadian dollars or something. Uh, I mean, the, yeah, yeah. the the fantasy underlying Sherlock Holmes is that the world is comprehensible, right? Is that there's like someone somewhere in times of sort of rapid change, uh, probably industrialization in the case of Sherlock Holmes, um, or you know, I don't know, rapid medical change in the case of House, or technological change in the in the case of the uh, the BBC Sherlock shows, uh, like uh, something uh, with Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, that's the actor's name I love to say, Benedict Cumberbatch. I'm not, a, like, I'm not a psychopath. I'm a high. Fa- I'm a high functioning sociopath. Do your research. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, the, now that you say that, that about uh, Sherlock Holmes being about uh, nobility, uh, or uh, it gave me the idea of uh, Sherlock Holmes, where it's sort of like a cabin in the woods uh, s where sort of like. Uh, meta parody where um, he thinks that he's solving a mystery but actually the mystery has been set up by some people who want to like test his reaction or something or maybe it's um, like a Truman Show situation where he's been raised to become uh, Sherlock Holmes but he actually is just some dude um, that could be another way of doing it but then I was thinking that's uh, kind of similar to uh, Star Trek The Next Generation as well right? they have the didn't they have a Moriarty in the holodeck or hollow whatever? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did Figuring that. that stuff out. I don't know. They did it twice. Yeah. I mean, they did it and then they returned to it. 
All right. Well, that that was my idea, and now it is go- done. <laughs> They've stored him in a piece of plexiglass. Spoiler alert. Uh, Ship in a bottle. Michael T. Ford, MTF3 on Twitter. With TV shows becoming more cinematic and movies becoming more serialized, do you think we're ready for a big movie to lead directly into a television show rather than vice versa? Could you see a show being able to pull off what X-Files did? Well, it's not just what X-Files did. It's uh, it's what... MASH did. MASH did. Mash went the other way. Mash was oh, a, uh, was the film first. Uh, what Star oh, Trek what? did? Okay. No, this says for a big movie to lead directly into a television show. That's what he said. Well, I don't. I don't know if he's thinking about it, but what came to mind to me is uh, the upcoming Shield television show, which is basically that. Yeah. Well, it's. I mean, sure, but what we, we have to define what we mean by. By television show, right? Like Star Wars did it with, uh, you know, Star Wars, the prequels leading into the Clone Wars television show for which George Lucas just won an Emmy, right? I I think his first Emmy, if I remember the internet correctly, right? Like, yeah, Ewok Adventures didn't really cut it. He didn't, he didn't win Christmas special. special? Yeah, there you go. (laughs) It's Life Day. So, right, the, I mean, the idea is that. You know, the idea is that, like, is there a show that's going to that's going to go from being like a summer blockbuster movie into a like AMC style or FX style prestige television show? Well, probably not, because those are talking to different those are talking to different markets. And it's hard to leverage the same property across something like that. But for something like Star Wars, when you can go from blockbuster movie to uh, action movie to like kids action cartoon tv show sure that that yeah. that stuff happens i mean marvel you know comic book properties have been have been doing yeah. it the shield is they're gonna have a yeah that's what you, when you said the shield i thought you were talking about the vic Mackey shield for a second and i was like what but no you were talking about the like agent of shield the marvel avengers show right like based off of the Marvel Avengers stuff. Yeah, actually, uh, the the Vic Mackey Shield movie is going to have uh, Benito Martinez in it as a crossover as a Star Trek uh, uh, <laughs> security guard. This, so confusing. You know, this has been rumored for a while. It was actually like announced a few times and then got canceled. But uh, there's an ongoing sort of deal to try to get the Dark Tower to both the big screen and the small screen, and that the deal was going to be to do a trilogy of films with two series of a television show that would cover the books between the film. And here's the, I have not read The Dark Tower, so I don't understand exactly how this is supposed to work, but it was like a complicated deal where there'd be a trilogy, and then there would be like two sort of like 10-episode series of television. And this was announced and like set up at HBO to, to, to carry the television series, but I think it, it is sort of like I'm in a holding pattern, and Russell Crowe is supposed to be uh, Roland, the main character. And I don't—I'll I'll leave it to somebody who's read the books to say how awesome that is or not. He's supposed to be like a Clint Eastwood type character, so I, if you think Russell Crowe is like Clint Eastwood, I guess it works. I don't know, um, but isn't that sort of like—it's not movie to TV. That's sort of book to TV and movie simultaneously, which I guess makes sense because every movie nowadays is sort of based on a book or comic or something. So we can't really have just Mm -hmm. movies going to TV at this moment in Hollywood history. It is, you know, in a way that I I find it ironic that, you know, people have, 
everyone talks about like the death of the novel that like nobody's reading anymore you know nobody sits down to read books anymore but at the same time it does seem like hollywood is very convinced that like they're afraid to make a movie unless it's been a book first more people are reading now actually um i yeah. forget how, how much but uh it's definitely been going up uh even though they like to wring their hands but um the question is is the quality declining because people are writing books specifically to yeah uh get the movie deal which makes sense because that's the only way you could make money as a writer nowadays really is that is that how you uh, structured your novel? Are you, no. are you waiting for the? <laughs> oh oh, oh no! It would be cool, but um, you would have to tell everyone you know to read the book because uh, it's not a blockbuster <laughs> book. Unsurprisingly, I don't know. There are there are a lot of good CGI action scenes. Uh, oh no, absolutely! I, I meant to say that uh, we we don't have a Hunger Games following at this point. Oh, there I is see. no slash fiction between I don't know, like Balthazar and Pinzone or something yet. But you know, go for it, listeners. Actually, don't. Please don't. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I got the sense reading the book that that was not something that you wanted. No <laughs> I don't know, I just vibe that you just kept pulling back on Balthazar's sexuality and you just didn't want to make him too threatening a character. He's <laughs> very nice. Did you like, uh, not not you're saying you would turn it down if Hollywood came knocking at your door with untold oh, millions? Absolutely. <laughs> Are you kidding? Of course I would say yes. But I'm saying they're not going to at the moment. But if you guys uh, make the book popular, maybe Hollywood would, will come knocking and uh, I could, I don't know, get my own private island. It would be a very small island. But I'm going to work on that one. Would you and, w- would you wrest it from the the control of the natives who who lived there? Yeah, <laughs> <I guess. laughs> the irony would not be. <laughs> That's the only way to get an island these days. Also from Michael T. Ford, MTF three on Twitter, uh, MTF That is to say, three is a Roman numeral. Uh, given what comic book movies are doing with the shared cinematic universes, are there any non comic book movies that you'd like to imagine exist in the same universe? Three or more. So, like, uh, I mean, this could be very funny if you uh, don't take it seriously, right? Like, I would like a, uh, I would like a, you know, Battle Royale, uh, uh, Notting Hill, <laughs> um, Cars 2 crossover film. I'd like the, the events and characters of those movies all to intertwine. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it was, it was on a podcast a few weeks ago that we proposed the existence of the Furyverse or the what was that where, where it's basically all the Vin Diesel characters in one that that uh the the Vin Diesel character from the Fast and the Furious then goes on to become the the, the line of the Furians who are uh pivotal in the Chronicles of Riddick uh but then of course he specifies three or more so you'd have to work in triple x somehow or find me guilty yeah, or that movie where he takes care of babies, and it's hilarious because what man will take care of babies voluntarily? Ah, <laughs> uh, the pacifier. <laughs> I'm just imagining an, an airplane where like Argo species and snakes on a plane are all happening at the same time. <laughs> it's like we need to get these guys out of Iran and not impregnate Natasha Henstridge <laughs> while we're surrounded by snakes. <laughs> I've had it with these MF hostages on 
<laughs> oh man. Playing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I you know, do you have to go? Do you have to go similar genres, or can you go like uh, like one Merchant Ivory film, one 1980s slasher picture, and one uh, you know, I don't know, action blockbuster? One. Um, wouldn't it be crazy if Glory, Gettysburg, and Lincoln all took place in the same universe? Yeah. It'd be like a giant crossover. Like one war. You could, have, you could have Lincoln from Lincoln give the Gettysburg Address uh, that happens at the same battlefield where they fight the Battle of Gettysburg in the movie Gettysburg, but it would be after. And then uh, Tom Berenger wouldn't be there, though, because his character dies. Of, Maybe the wreck on some it. sort of World War II verse where World War II actually happened and all the World War II movies take place in it. Oh, man, that would be awesome. Like, yeah. if it was Saving Private Ryan, but we're also the Thin Red Line were happening, like, in Japan at the same time, like, in the Pacific, right? And then, like, John Wayne is, is riding in a convoy across France uh, at the same time as... Uh, um, Patton is uh, as George C. Scott is like rolling in tanks across northern Africa, and we could have um, the Hitler from Downfall meet the Hitler from uh, the Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. It would be oh, that would be and the Hitler also from Highlander the series where Duncan kill <laughs> Hitler. Oh, here's, here, here's something uh, I want to ask you guys. So we know uh, th- there was a little movie called The Avengers last year. Uh, also a slightly uh, a lesser known uh, movie called The Avengers from 1998 with uh, Ralph Fiennes and Uma Thurman. Yes, so I'm wondering if, if there's a third Avengers movie that they could all take place, that they could join forces. And I'm looking at IMDb and I don't... I don't believe that that there's a completely different Avengers property from. I was hoping like from like the 30s, where it's like some sort of uh, some sort of comedy about like a like a lady who comes to New York to be in the Ziegfeld Follies and you know and like meets Bob Hope. <laughs> that they're like a minor. They're like a children's baseball team or like the third right, Avengers. <laughs> I was just thinking how cool it would be if if uh, Doctor Who and the Highlander were in the same universe, and he like kept running into the Highlander at different times. I think that would be kind of cool. But I need a third one, so I guess I'll say Bill and Ted. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, guys, into our into our questions. Um, it's such a long road. We've, we're coming back home again. This is great. <laughs> it's like being in Scotland and getting a new sweater before you fight Mario Van Peebles. <laughs> Uh, franchise reboot. This is Belinky's question. Um, we don't all have to. It would. We'd be here forever if we all gave. Full no, answers. we all have to answer all of them, even uh, if it's fast. Right? Yes. Okay. Yes, sir. <laughs> Lightning round. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, do we? So wait. Do we? Does the asker go last on their own question? I think that. I think that they have to. I okay. think that he or she mm-hmm. must answer answer last. Um, now, Matt, does it have to be a franchise that exists already in cinematic form? Um, yes, I, th- I think I think to be fair, it has to be like you know, there's been a series of movies in the past, and that series of movies is going to like be restarted because there's there's gold in them hills. Oh man, okay. Because okay. my answer if, was going to be a hilarious I, answer. Then go ahead. And... <laughs> well, my my hilarious answer was going to be a cinematic reboot of all the serials at the same time. Like you reboot like the honey from the 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 bee from the Honey Nut Cheerios with oh, Smackham's wow. Frog, and you reboot them with Toucan Sam, and you reboot it with the Trix Rabbit. Count Chocula's there, you know, and then Frankenberry, Frankenberry, Boo, well, Booberry, well, right? Booberry. All of them. Yeah. The werewolf, right? Like uh, the 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 guy, the good, the Kashi good friends are there, and they're just chilling, right? They're just being good friends and all that stuff, and they all have to fight crime or something. And it, Do it, the, is it like is it like uh, Avengers versus X Men? Is it like the uh, General Mills serials versus the Kellogg serials? 
Maybe, maybe, maybe they have to team up because someone is stealing all the cereal, which is what always happens. It's like, oh no, how did you steal the cereal? You have to go get them. But if it has to be a movie franchise that already exists, then I want to see a Darkman franchise reboot. I liked Darkman. It'll be hard to top the first one, but like, I think that's a character that has some legs in it that you could revisit, especially if you did it in not quite as dark a manner, yep. which I think would be funny. You uh, want to do Darkman, but not quite so dark. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Darkman, the horribly burned guy who injects adrenaline into himself or whatever, played originally yeah. by Liam Neeson. Wait, isn't that? He really wants that monkey. Didn't they yeah. do? Didn't they do the injecting adrenaline yourself into yourself movie with a little movie called Crank? Uh, yeah, they've done it a lot of times. <laughs> <laughs> didn't they do that with a little actress called Uma Thurman getting stabbed in the heart with a, you know, a syringe of adrenaline? And Nicholas Cage did it in The Rock too. Uh, you you want to go, Shana, or should I go before you? Um. Well, my my sort of serious answer was, um, but I guess it's not really a franchise here. But I would really like to see a Sailor Moon in the U.S. Like, I think that would be pretty great. Um, but actually, Pete, as you were talking about the serial people, I was like, man, I don't know why. I guess I can see a little connection. But my brain went to, I want to see a reboot of Jumanji, man. Like a oh, good Jumanji. Yeah. Good Jumanji. <laughs> Gritty reboot. Now, how would it be different from the Robin Williams Jumanji? Um, well, first, no Robin Williams, I think, is uh, important. It's a given. Actually, you know what? Bring Robin Williams back, but give him a beard. So he's more serious. He has a beard in the original Jumanji. He does? He? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> he go to sleep. It's been a while, up. man. Oh, man. Maybe he just has it at some point, like briefly during the course of the movie. I don't think he has it for most of it. Well, then it could be Ben Affleck with a beard. Oh, Ben so. Affleck, Jumanji. I would buy tickets to that in a heartbeat. Especially if it were in 2D. That great. <laughs> I, uh, okay, so mine, mine involves, I, there, like, we act like um, young adult fiction was something that was invented by J.K. Rowling. Right. And and I read books when I was when I was young and I guess they were children's books. They weren't like super sexy books about, you know, uh, chased vampires and a werewolf who just wants to rub up against your leg a lot. But, you know, I don't know. I read them. So I'm going to just throw out a couple of series of children's not really young adult, but more like children's chapter book kind of series that I think should be made into films. Um, Oh, my let me just throw away my real answer, uh, because I've said this before on the podcast, the Police Academy franchise. I think it's high time for the uh, for the Apatovian Police Academy (laughs) movie. Right, instead of the Zucker Brothers Police Academy. No police actually go to a school like that, Matt. It's nothing like what training a policeman is actually like. Uh, totally unrealistic. But anyway, yeah, they need a David Simon version. Yeah. <laughs> David Simon's Post- police. September oh, wow. That's the, that's the dark and gritty police academy, the gritty <laughs> reboot of the police academy. That's probably, that's probably better. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess, yeah. I mean, uh, Judd Apatow, that master of realism who showed us what pregnancy is really all about uh you know i guess really shouldn't get uh you know get get near police academy because of you know it's not realistic um okay as long as coming out lassard still carries around a fishbowl and a golf club i'm totally fine with it Uh, and gets a bj in the podium all right the uh uh the liza bill and jed mystery books by peggy Parrish. Um, including the ghosts of Cougar Island, <laughs> where they go, uh, where they uh, on the island where they summer, they uh, find Hermit Dan. Um, 
the uh, the Great Brain books by uh, oh yeah 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 remember the Great Brain books mm-hmm. um, by J D Fitzgerald uh, the Henry Reed books by Keith Robertson and then uh, maybe the least known of these um, the uh, the Gordon Corman children and young adult books. Um, a semester in the, especially semester in the life of a garbage bag. Uh, no coins, please. And uh, oh, there was a third. There was a third one that I thought was really, really good. But Gordon Corman, um, like uh, like that guy, like that guy a lot when I was, you know, ten, eleven years old. And he wrote books about people in high school, and it was like, wow, maybe high school is actually like actually like that. Uh, all right, Matt, you get to you get to go last. Uh, well, here's the thing. I don't think it counts as a franchise if there's only been one. I think The Last Starfighter desperately needs to be rebooted. Yeah. Nowadays, the idea that like you know, you're know you a social recluse, you're just like a, a guy who's stuck in the same small town, and your only uh, escape is playing video games, um, and then it turns out to be like you know, a, a, your gateway to like you know, galactic-spanning adventure. Nowadays, people play video games online against people all over the world, and if you were actually like the world's greatest counter strike player or you know player of this fictional video game where you fly around spaceships and you can fly spaceships better than anyone else in north america i could totally see how the aliens would come and get you um and so but but since that's not a franchise um i'm gonna go with porkies because i don't know if you, you guys are even familiar with porkies but uh, oh yeah sure of course sex comedy from 1980. Um, and I feel like the sex comedy has it, it, it's due for a resurgence. There was like you know the uh, the brief interest after uh, American Pie, you know. Then there was like the Van Wilders, and uh, you know the 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 sort of like more um, th- there was a, a brief uh, interest in the genre, and it's sort of fallen off. Uh, and for like another sort of like bunch of teen- bunch of horny teenagers are gonna do anything to have sex, um, you know. And then, but it's all good fun. Nobody gets hurt. Yeah, but in, in, in like in Twilight and the Hamburger Games, a bunch of teenagers do anything not to have sex. I mean, this is the new world that we live right, in. Right. That's true. I feel like we need a corrective to that. I feel like we need something where it's like, you know what? Like being a teenager and wanting to have sex with other teenagers is natural and it's good. And it's like as long as that it's consensual, then like, you know, it's something that like we can we can sell. It, it doesn't have to be like an inkstful thing. It can be part of a comedy. There's a lot of uh, sex in YA, by the way. Just throwing that out there. Um, but I guess yeah, not, not in... Not in your book, I noticed. He's <laughs> <laughs> uh, younger. But I know that maybe there was sex in your mind. Don't deny it. <laughs> yeah, between the, it was between the Leviathan and the uh, and the, the, the big dragon thing. Exactly. I forget what it was called. Never mind. Yeah. I don't know what word you have to write on their forehead. Oh no, I, I I ship Amir Ginny, you know. Oh boy, <laughs> she is of age technically. <laughs> she's she's much older than he, right? Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, baby name Kim and Kanye. Baby name, and remember, this is a name that expresses uh, that expresses the prophecy. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna pick up the pace just a little bit, but uh, right. for that for that Kim and Kanye baby name, uh, Blinks, what's it what's it gonna be? I believe you just described the plot to the movie uh, Willow. 
Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. The prophecy, and then it has to be like sent out, and like a random stranger finds it and has to protect it, and that's yes. the scenario. So I'm gonna say that we have to name the baby Alora. So either a uh, Alora West or Alora Kardashian, or perhaps Alora West Kardashian, <laughs> which actually sounds like it could be like a fantasy name. I could I could totally see Warwick Davis having to care for Alora <laughs> West Kardashian to protect. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, awesome, loving it. Um, in my mind, the prophecy is, um, you know, biblical prophecy, and this is the Antichrist that has been born. Um, and um, so, therefore, he would have to have uh, the, you know, scariest... Oh, she... Well, uh, I'll have to think about this, actually. This is the scariest name possible, but also Kim uh, Kardashian, like, they only have K names, right? So it has to be a girl's name that is horrendous that starts with a K. So, like, I don't know. Kaylee or something. No, <laughs> Kaylee's a nice name. <laughs> no. um, I don't know. Gotta pick a name that scares people, like Kaylee. <laughs> <laughs> uh, come back to me. I'll think of one. Uh, so Just consulting Donkey Kong Country for a bunch of names that are scary that start with a K. But anyway, <laughs> can you, Matt? Cranky Kardashian. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so the, um, the, uh, I, I, I'm just going to go with the stallion who mounts the world. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to, going to, uh, go with that. Right. Um, I don't know, Pete, what, 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 what is yours? Uh, Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, with Kamiat, which is, uh, backwards for Tamak who is the hero of The Last Dragon by Barry Gordy, which is a prophecy of kung fu battles that are happening to Motown songs uh, in the mid-1980s. And I believe that that's the sort of dystopian hexcape that uh, the the Kardashian scion would be uh, most uh, equipped and prophesied to... uh, to, do, to dominate and create. Although, just call them Crush Groove with a K. Yeah. But, uh. yeah. I originally wanted to name the kid after the, the Twitter bird, but I Googled it. It turns out the Twitter bird is named Larry. What? Oh. You can't name a... Or maybe that's a perfect Kanye thing to do, is to name his daughter Larry, just because of his love of the Twitter bird. <laughs> All right, you've been given a lot of time, Shana. What have you got? I'm going to go with Kali, um, so people could go Kalima. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I think that it would be a name that they would choose. It's pretty. Oh, yeah. That's a good chance, actually. Yeah, Kali. Kali, Ka- Kali West or Kali Kardashian West? Oh, I don't Kali know. Well, we will find out. Yeah, let, I, I mean, Rigo Ry- Kardashian. Rigo the stallion that mounts the world, Kardashian West. Don't watch the sh- you go sleep, you don't wake up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, fan fiction. What fan fic would you like to have written? Or, you know, let's expand it to, like, what, what fan fic would you like uh, to gift the world with? Um <laughs> You know, uh, out of all the the fanfics that you could write, what is the best of all possible fanfics? Oh man! I mean, it's funny because Sh- Shannon was talking about it as if we haven't written fanfics. <laughs> well, I, I think in the question, uh, I mean, you could say uh, fic that you have written. Sure, go for it. Well, I'll go first because I haven't gone first on one of these yet. I would like. To have a look into the domestic and professional life, everyday, quotidian professional life, of uh, a certain officer of the law, 
uh, a certain man whose mission seems to be um, to die as hard as possible. Uh, John McClane. Uh, a law enforcement officer who we see in extremis, but uh, I'd like to know actually what the day-to-day relationship is like with the woman on the other end of the phone, those phone calls, who we hear in only sort of shrill, high-pitched, nagging, uh, you know, sort of muffled sound. Or, uh, you know, I don't know, what a typical day, what a typical day of uh, detective work is like for him when he's not foiling international terrorists. So, uh, yes, I want to do some fanfic set in the Die Hard universe. And uh, for a title, uh, I'm, I'm not sure. The, the dummy, I'm sure we can do better than this, but the dummy title is Live Soft. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I would say that I want to write uh, I want to write Fast and the Furious fan fiction, but I want to write it in a situation where they are marooned a long way from cars. Right? So, like, so, like they're traveling... They're like they're in this uh, street race in Moscow, right? And they're like, "Well, Pete dropped out for me. I don't know about the rest of you." I yeah, I'm just going to talk about like the Iditarod, right? <laughs> uh, so until we get until we get Pete back, uh, Matt, do you have a fanfic you want to write? Yeah, no, I got this all figured out, guys. Here's the deal. Um, so, Albus Dumbledore is born 1885. Mary Poppins takes place in 1910. <laughs> so, here is the deal. It is set in the year uh, 1900. Albus Dumbledore is the head prefect for uh, Gryffindor. And then uh, there's a new transfer student from, like, the French Academy or something. Who is it? It's Mary Poppins. She's, she's like, she's uh, beautiful, she's very talented in magic, but the thing is that she, on summer vacation, uses her magic to save uh, a muggle child. She can't stand, she loves children, can't stand to let them drown, and so she uses her magic, exposes herself to people, and then the, the, the headmaster of uh, Hogwarts in the year 1900 sends Dumbledore out, because he knows that they're friends, to get her and bring her into the Ministry of Magic. So it becomes this thing where, like, is he going to betray Mary Poppins by, like, arresting her, or is he going to like let her go to make her own way in the world as a magical nanny? Well, we, yeah. Spoiler, spoiler alert: magical nanny. Jim <laughs> Chimney, Jim Chimney, Jim Jim Cherie. Right. right. Oh yeah, no, no, and and Bird Bird is also because he's like he has a little bit of magic, so I feel like he's like a Hogwarts dropout. Like he's just sort of fl- it's like it's like a love triangle between like Bert and Mary Poppins and Dumbledore, and like you know she's like Dumbledore, drop out of magic school and come with me, and like we'll care for all the children of the world. He's like I'm sorry, I really want to be an academic. And then, like, Bird wants to be with her, too, but, like, he, like, loses a lot of his magical power, and so he doesn't, he can't really follow, he can't yeah. fly or anything. But I Dumbledore, think Dumbledore would go, go after Bert, right? Yeah, Dumbledore is gay. Uh, but that's, I don't feel, here's the thing, just because, like, the author says so, <laughs> it's not in the text itself, does that make it true? It's implied with Grindelwald. Implied. <laughs> you uh, could rewrite, I mean, clearly that, you could in fiction, like it could be like, oh, maybe there's a magical spell that is used, some sort of like sexy yeah. reversal spell that changes people's sexual identities that makes Dumbledore straight for Mary Poppins. Yeah. Maybe I'm there's a spoonful of sugar. Poppins. There's a magical spoonful of sugar that he eats that makes the medicine go down and it changes his sexuality. Maybe he teaches. Maybe he teaches her the word supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. 
You know? I gotta say, making the medicine go down is a great euphemism for something. <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along, Pete, uh, get you, we, when last we left, the gang from Fast and Furious was stranded on a desert island far away from cars. No, not in the desert island. They were in the middle of the Russian steppe. I wanted oh. to see them in, like, Central Asia. Okay. Like, far, far away from, like, on a flat plane. Like, perhaps they encounter a wandering nomadic tribe. And because the thing about the crew from The Fast and the Furious is that they race each other in order to uh, prove respect. Right in their role, and respect is the is the foundation of their surrogate family and their relationships. So you would see them attempt to figure out what sort of proxies for car racing would be available to them, since they haven't gone more than a couple of days without car racing, presumably during their entire adult lives. Uh, and so it's uh, so like, do they start like trying to race, fashioning a house? Do they run until they all tire themselves out, and then they sort of wonder and they look up at the sky and they look out mm. at the extent of the land in front of them and they kind of despair. Right? Or do they like? Do they have other kinds of speed contests for like well, they get, they get and things? Ponies, like that? Right? I mean, this is Genghis Khan territory, right? Well, not anymore. But I think I think this founding the Mongol Empire and like literally setting out to conquer China. Travels. They get pulled through. They get pulled through a Tokyo time drift. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Pete's cutting in and out. So, Shana, get, uh, bring us home. What's your uh, what's your your uh, fanfic that you would like to write? Well, I went immediately to the smut. So, my idea um, it's called a beautiful friendship, and it's about Rick Blaine and uh, Renault after Casablanca. Except instead um, of them actually working together and being friends, um, Rick is actually uh, taken into a sex dungeon, um, and he has. Uh, who has to come and uh, sort of uh, kill Billet through Casablanca to find Rick. Uh, she's given up, uh, what's his name, because uh, he actually turned out to be not the guy he seemed to be. He's actually a douchebag uh, Nazi. So um, anyway, there is some... Uh, there's some gayness in the beginning, but then when Elsa comes in, there's a tender, hurt, comfort aspect. Mm. There you nice. go. Oh, I would read any of those, any of our four four fanfics. Um, and then finally, let's let's close it out. Uh, do you still enjoy movies, television shows, <laughs> music, comic books, novels, uh, things like this, or or has doing it professionally ruined it for you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Yes to which part of that? Question? Oh, no, no to the first part. Yes, is that? Uh, yeah, culture is ruined for me, uh, which is not all culture, but it's been hard to read books recently, um, which is why I've been reading a lot of poetry. So, you got any poems? I'll take them. <laughs> <laughs> there, there once was a man named Fenzel. And his oh. internet connection was terrible. Lanthrax. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll say yes. I really I started watching the the BBC Sherlock recently and love it. You know, like that's great. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's it's really great. I think that that um, the stuff that I like less, I like a lot less. I used to be just sort of an omnivore and would watch pretty much anything. And I think my, my it's not that my taste to become more selective or elitist, but they've definitely I definitely react more strongly to something that I'm just not into like at all. I'm much more likely one of these days to actually walk out of a movie, which I don't think I've done more than once or twice. Um, but yeah, so but I like I like the things I like just as much, if not more so. Sure. But it does change how you approach them. I do have to say that like once you start 
overthinking things and once you start to sort of seeing things through that lens and thinking about like if there's an angle for you to overthink it's hard to go back to watching something without overthinking it to the point where, where I have a rule with my wife that she's insisted upon which is that like when we begin discussing a piece of pop culture I have to trade a minute of discussion about something in the real world for every minute we discuss pop culture in a so it's like she'll like so like I could start talking about Fast and the Furious and like you know but she'll surreptitiously just begin timing it. <laughs> which, which, which the movie does the movie Lincoln count as the real world or as pop culture? I'm gonna have to ask her. And, and, <laughs> I mean, maybe it's a loophole. And I know it, it makes it makes her sound. It, it's not the most flattering portrait of her, but I assure you, it is for my own good and, and with my with my complete permission. Yeah. I mean, she's I, awesome, so we know. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's sort of like the way that, like, you know, if you're, like, sitting at your desk for a couple of hours, you want to take a break and, like, get up and, like, walk around the block and everything. And that's that's the sort of overthinking equivalent of that. Yeah. So when I – I mean, when I had asked this, I sort of – I didn't I, – I, I think we may have actually answered this on a listener feedback show before where it's like, oh, has the, the practice of overthinking it changed it for you as though, you know, as though it were something special. I mean, overthinking it is just the brand name we put on, you know, what we like to do when we hang out. But, um, but I, I just sort of meant being a sort of professional producer of content, you start to look at these things as – Oh, I don't know. It's sort of commodities that you have to consume and sort of then then produce something, right? Produce commentary and talking heads. And, it, it, you know, it has changed my... I watch a lot of television with a notebook next to me now, right? Like, uh, or a, you know, computer open with a text editor window. And I wonder if that, I mean, I wonder if that uh, changes, my, changes my relationship um, to it. Uh, I think I like Mad Men more this year now that we're doing the video recaps and I am watching it with a pad and pencil. So I don't know. But maybe Game of Thrones. Uh, I, f- I have my notebook there, but I feel like I don't have much to write about other than, oh, they killed that guy or, oh, boobies. So I guess for Game <laughs> of Thrones, I would prefer to just watch it without having to overthink it. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. Uh, it, it, right, it's it's sort of interesting, and and I don't. It, but the 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 fun the fun part for me is that we sort of get together and 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 do it, and that you know I don't know that's the part that I I like the most coming together with the podcasters and with the audience who uh, have great questions. So um, look, we'll we'll do this again if these if these things catch on. We'll we'll try to revive the tradition because I think it's a lot of fun, and uh, we should do more to make the the podcast interactive and to make the community very uh, very energetic so you know leave a, a, a comment in the show notes uh, for your answer of any of these questions what you think the or what you think we missed um, you know and uh, and send new questions to us on Twitter at overthinking it send them to podcast at overthinking it.com send them by voicemail or text to 203-285-6401 uh, listen to the overthinking it podcast share it with a friend we'd be much obliged if you do that and visit us on the web at overthinking thinkingit.com where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it, it probably, probably doesn't, doesn't deserve, deserve.